It's almost the weekend. Bum, bum, Welcome. Bum, bum. <laughs> we did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> bum, 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 Welcome back to the pod. How you been doing, my good friend Darian, who I haven't seen in at least a day. <laughs> Where the, the threshold for quality on this episode is going to be abysmal. Oh, uh, I like it. I like the when we go off the rails. That's my favourite thing. To do. Yeah, but we, I think you have to be on the rails to go off them. You know what I'm saying? This is like we, we're just starting in the bog right now. We haven't even mm. built the cart to go on the tracks yet. Oh, I love mixing all those metaphors. Yeah, yeah. We're in the bog. There's a cart involved. There were tracks. <laughs> we're on the road, off the road. The mire is there. The slug is smiling at us from the sun. It's all happening. I really hope this is someone's first episode that they're listening to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if it is your first episode, welcome. Welcome. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk a bunch of crap. I mean, when's the last time we actually brought some decent information? I mean, I've just been playing Returnal. What, like, I'm going great. Because <laughs> all I'm doing is playing Returnal. Like, yeah. every day this week, I've been like, all right, this is the last run. I've got to move on to something else. And it just pulls me back. I'm I'm addicted. There's there's no other word for it. Well, the, fo- the forced... Uh, nature of your time in Melbourne is going to mean that you will come to an end with Returnal, unless you buy a PlayStation, of course. Right, which I'm not going to do. So it it probably is nice to have that kind of... Uh, You've got take- the cutoff. Yeah, yeah, it'll be taken away from me. Um, but <laughs> I've just been bouncing between Returnal and Slay the Spire. and Oh, hell yeah, that's, that's quality right there. Yeah, that's all I've been doing for three weeks straight. So it's not like I've got some great new game i've discovered and i'm like joe check this out actually i did start humanite oh nice yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that's our game club game this month yeah any fleeting thoughts to share before we um you know without spoiling going into the actual epi epi? yeah okay let me see if i can i can be succinct i don't want to i don't we're so good at not talking about the game club game until the game club episode i'm pretty good at it I think for me, this is an evening game. If you've got yeah. if you've got the PlayStation Game Pass or whatever it's called, and you've got access to humanity, uh, this is an evening game. It's it's weird. It doesn't it doesn't really require a huge amount of attention. It's just like pretty weird and chill. Yep, I like it. I like that brief little insight. I'm gonna say it's like uh, I haven't formulated my thoughts on this at all. It's like playing an abstract painting that you might see at like an art gallery or something oh oh yeah that's, that's good that's my initial thoughts on it yeah i dig it um that's how it that's how it, like that's what my notes are like you know like when i'm scrolling stuff down in my notion doc i'm like something about a painting <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm uh, i'm always really impressed with how you turn some of your notes into like genuine through lines that we can follow on the podcast because oh yeah one time you sent me a screenshot of your notes and i gotta say my notes are way more exhaustive than that <laughs> yeah I, I sometimes like okay if it's for the sonic episode we go deep we go mm. exhaustive i'm right mm. i'm reading word for word off the script but <laughs> sometimes like maybe even like today's episode we're probably going to veer off a little bit uh we'll see 
that's uh, that's just a tease. Something to look yeah. forward to if you can yeah. stand another 35 minutes of us talking about random stuff before we actually get to the topic. What a formula. Speaking of random stuff, oh, yeah. um, and this, this just came to mind before when you were talking about not buying a PlayStation and mm. being forced to stop your current addiction, which is Returnal. Uh-huh. Um, there is like so many people in Melbourne, friends uh, and family and people who are like addicted to the vapes. You know the vapes? The vapes. Yeah, I know the vapes. I've got a, I've got a buddy who vapes. Dude, they're going, they're not selling them anymore as of like December this year. Oh my God, really? Did that go Did through? Did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. I heard it was, it was like they were trying to attempt that. And so uh, maybe I'm getting my wires crossed. I might, I, as far as I know, it is approved. But oh my God. Yeah. That's, uh, that's wild. I wonder if it's just going to be Victoria though. And you're going to be able to get those out of state vapes. Oh God. Can you imagine every Melbourneian traveling across the border to buy some off the off market vapes? <laughs> yes, I can. I can. We're a seedy state. Uh, but I got to say, I spoke to a buddy who doesn't vape the occasional the casual vapor doesn't own a vape but if there is vaping in the vicinity it's a lot of v's going on uh Mm. he'll partake and he said one of his buddies at work gets these uh vape cartridges or capsules or whatever they are from china and he said he gets all these incredible tea flavors and i feel like i had this explosion in my brain because what a great idea like you know having a cigarette with like a cup of milky black tea that's just so good and like if you got you know like an earl gray flavor vape i feel like that would just crush it (laughs) uh yeah i guess um i don't know man i feel like i feel like the the point of vapes is to yeah have the abstract flavors you've got like and they've all got real weird names, you know, like Cherry Buzz, um, <laughs> Watermelon Splash, you know, stuff oh like boy. that. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's like a thin line between bubblegum flavors and condom flavors. And I feel like vape <laughs> yeah. flavors is right on that line. It's definitely the same materials, you know, they're using the same <laughs> synthetic flavoring to get both column A and column B you know, <laughs> oh, for those examples. Oh god. Speaking um, of things that shouldn't be mentioned on the podcast, my mum just started listening to the pod. <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Shout out shout to Joe's mum. Uh shout out. Yeah, we're not going to throw that name out there cuz I'll have to do another redacted ed- edit, but uh yeah, glad fine. to have you on board. Um yeah, she says she wrote me a message cuz I was like, "Oh, how have you been finding the pod?" Uh, and she said I'm enjoying it very much and love your intelligent alien discussions with Daz. (laughs) (laughs) She she goes on to say, I like the way you guys only swear if necessary and are respectful of of each other and others in general, except for Ariana's surname. It's Ariana Grande, not Bimbo. I was like, what the hell? I love Ariana Grande. I wasn't trying to take the piss out of Ariana Grande. Uh, look, you know, it's a it's a bit of a fugue state when you start that record button. It's like, who knows? Who knows what's going to come out of your mouth? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it really is. In some some days, it's, it feels completely random. <laughs> That's really sweet, though. I, yes. uh, I'm glad that we're talking about aliens. I don't remember talking about aliens, but that um, that's really satisfying to me that we do that. 
I don't know if she means aliens the subject or the fact that she finds the discussions alien to her. You oh, know what I, mean? I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of context here because I'm I'm also playing Returnal and I, I probably said the word alien a fair few times as well, so it's uh it's getting messy out there, folks. Yes. Also, just a heads up, I don't know if you've got like your mic cord on something, but I can hear a little bit oh, of rattle. Fuck yeah, no, I'm basically seducing it. It's like in between my thighs, rubbing around. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! Just uh, I thought we'd catch that in the first ten before oh, we go any further. Yeah, great call out. Great call out. All right, it's it's fixed. It's fixed. Okay. We can all we can all rest easily. But just so you know, the past eight minutes, if you've been hearing like rustling sounds, that has absolutely been my crotch. So I apologize. <laughs> you've been getting the. The nether regions ASMR, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the weekend nether regions ASMR. Yeah. Side yeah. hustle? Um, I'm always for a side hustle, and that one sounds lucrative. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a, a, a pin in that conversation. And uh, yeah, Returnal and Slay the Spy for me. How about you, dude? How you been? What have you been playing? Um, yeah, I've been good. Been real good. We had a team lunch today at work um, because we hit a deadline um, to get the whole thing play. I'm sure I can say that. Yeah, the whole thing playable from start to finish um, with no final assets today. Nice, dude. Congrats. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was actually like last week that we got to that point, but we've just been like improving it since then um, and making it just a little bit more stable and less busted in certain regards so yeah it's it's playable you can play the whole thing whoa it's not fine like everything is you know in progress i don't think there's a single part of the game that represents how it's supposed to look or be but mm. at least it's all there right uh, and the concepts come across and you, it's cool man you can like feel the game you can oh. feel it under the under the surface it's like it's almost like the what am I trying to search for here? It's like the princess and the pea, you know, like you can mm. through the mattresses, you can sort of feel the pea. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's an incredible analogy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of another one, but yeah, it's like, yeah, you, you can see it through through the through the fog, I guess. Yeah, um, nice. So yeah, that was pretty cool. We had lunch. We went out to a place called Yucky Mono. That sounds good. I can already Let's tell see. that was probably good. I think I might have mentioned it last time because we accidentally booked the same place that we did for our last team lunch, which was the same, same Japanese restaurant, but it's uh. delightful. They changed a bunch of stuff on the menu and it was like six course, seven courses of delightful Japanese dishes. Oh my God. That sounds so fun. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, and yeah, I've just been playing <clears throat> that Armored Core. Mm, how's it going? I'm loving it. It's so good. It's just like, extremely and i'm like taking my time with it i'm playing the old missions to get like there's this thing that we didn't notice but um it they read it to us when we were playing together it was like the special logs or whatever they're called the combat logs uh-huh yeah they're like certain enemies uh that you have to seek out in each not each level but most levels and oh. if you kill them you get the combat log and collecting combat logs upgrade uh unlocks more stuff in the shop oh really yeah yeah it's not like every every time you finish a chapter heaps of stuff gets unlocked in the in the shop like once you finish a main main boss or whatever yeah but um you can also as you go get these combat logs and they you know you get more stuff sick 
That's yeah. so good. I'm gl- I'm so glad to hear you digging it. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a good time. Um, yeah, I've just been going back and getting those combat logs. I'm not trying to do any S S rank missions. I think I'm probably just going to leave that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've just been playing through the story, and I'm up to the S rank um, arena battle. So that's Ooh, pretty cool. How are they going? I haven't done any of them yet. I just got up to them last night. I did my last A rank arena battle, and I found this build that's just like. Just nasty, dude. It's fucking <laughs> nasty. Oh, yeah. Tell me I've, more. like, become one with the short range. Uh, I've got, like, a mad shotgun build where mm. it's, like, uh, these heat-seeking missiles that... It's, like, the most missiles you can launch on a single side on a shoulder piece. Um, and I've also got this other gun called the Songbird, which is, like, the other shoulder weapon. It's, like, this devastating but kind of slow-moving heavy missile barrage two bullets Mm. and so yeah i just like dash in real quick blast them with the shotgun dash away launch about a million missiles at them and then when they get inevitably broken i launch the songbird at them and it's just like it's game over baby Um, (laughs) wow that was uh i think i was getting a bit of that asmr satisfaction right there i feel like your your voice went a little bit deeper and you were like and then i launched like a thousand (laughs) missiles and i was like oh yeah tell me more (laughs) yeah for sure for sure um so yeah i've been really enjoying it i'm up to the final boss for chapter three Oh, wow. Uh, so how how long is this game, do you think? I saw, I saw a video today that had, like, someone talking about chapter four boss. So I don't really know if there's more than, like, four or five chapters. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm just taking my time. Just digging, digging the, the slow burn with it. I'm Hell happy yeah. to just, like, play a couple, play a level a few times, try and find the combat log. Yeah. Go back and do some arena and re- refine the build and try a new weapon it's just a it's just a jolly good time <laughs> great that's so good yeah i think uh armored core is is gonna have this huge audience going forth and it's it's so cool that FromSoft have resurrected this game and it's just so different than all of the games they became popular with yeah yeah like they've they've proven that they're still able to go way back to that old school design and and get things cracking so yeah i i wonder what this means because they're so much bigger than they were when dark souls came out i wonder if there's going to be you know the souls like department the armored core department and then they'll try something new again who knows like they've got so much you know real estate to play with they've got the souls they've got the demons they've got the core they've got <laughs> the the blood bloodborne yeah land yeah which you know as soon as that gets announced it's just going to be like a, a, the whole world of where little game of mouths is going to have a conniption all at once uh, <laughs> i don't know i would i would put my non-existent and unaffordable house on <laughs> Bloodborne 2 never releasing. Oh, really? You reckon yeah. they're going to just leave it? Yeah, I reckon they just leave it. What about Sekiro? Do you reckon they'll stray back into Samurai Land? Ooh, one can hope, but I reckon they're going to leave that too. Unless unless it gets dire and they, they yeah. turn into Ubisoft. But, I mean, so far, they've done nothing that suggests that's the path they're going to take. So cool, man. I feel like they've... um. 
they've improved on a bunch of stuff as well. Like you, you go back in and you look at like um, even Demon Soul, oh, sorry, Dark Souls three, and the visual effects are good, but they're not like nearly as good as what you get in Armored Core or uh, mm-hmm. Elden Ring. Like if the, the visual effects, you know, like the particles and stuff, so mm-hmm. sick. They got so many like wild spell effects and summon stuff, and I don't know. It's just like heaps of heaps of cool visuals flying around all the time in those newer games. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're definitely amping up the uh, visual feast for the eyes. Yeah, but they're never doing like, or they never really seem to push on like hyper fidelity. You know, they're not going down mm. the, you know, this is a game that you needed the latest and greatest graphics boy to play. You got to, it's just like, yeah, pretty much anything can play this. Uh, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, um, well, they launched Elden Ring on the base PS4. That was a yeah. that was a real surprise. I just assumed I would not be able to play it, but yeah, it ran it ran okay to good. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm yawning. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that are going to make you yawn, I've got uh, I've got a feast <laughs> for you. I've got an uh, absolute feast that is going to cause you to fat nap. I'm already ready for the fat nap. I had dinner. <laughs> I've had the big lunch. Lay me down. Put me to rest. <laughs> okay. Throw the chicken in my mouth. All we right. call it chicken on this show. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm back. I'm da- back to my best. I'm sorry I took that week off uh, with Returnal where I didn't write my own headings, but oh, uh, we're back now. I was able to take a break, a conscious break from playing that game and, uh, you know, just write this shit out. Hell yeah. So let's, let's crack this box open. All right, first spicy wing I got. Sony is butt-fucking its customers with a 33% price rise to its various subscription models. Oh, 33%? 33%. So this is this is decent. Um of uh, this is worldwide, but I I saw an article with the uh the US prices and uh it's across the board. It's it's every wow. Uh, subscription tier and i don't have a lot of experience with the playstation subscription model uh and you know i've been using game pass for a while now and i gotta say full price game pass is so worth it and they could double the price and it would still be worth it but you gotta be out here criticizing when corporations making billions every year rise raise the price you gotta be out here you got to be out here throwing yeah. that shit to the wind. But um yeah, that's that's a pretty big move because this only launched a couple of years ago. It's not like uh it's been this 5, 6, 7 year thing that Game Pass has been. And so I don't know if there's a whole lot of loyalty there, but it will be yeah. interesting to see the fallout. Yeah, I I don't know what kind of um subscriber base sony has with its service like is it a large subscriber base and how much of that is like people who you know like netflix style signed up for the free account and just let it ride or yeah you know, yeah forget or whatever and it's just it's that and and maybe this 30 percent will be the thing that hits their bank accounts and they're like oh wait a minute i thought this was 70 dollars a year not 100 dollars a year <laughs> yeah yeah um, so yeah. we did talk about numbers a couple of months ago, probably a long time ago. And from memory, uh, give or take a, a big uh, percentage of this, but from memory, I seem to 
remember Game Pass having about 30 million subscribers, including their PC subscribers, and the PlayStation subscribers were up to 15 million. So, like, I remember being quite impressed with that number. I thought it was going to be a lot smaller. Yeah, same. Um, And so, yeah, if, if those numbers are still relevant... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they if they cop a big drop. Yeah, dude, I don't know what's going on in this post capitalist hellscape that we call home. <laughs> like, I, I, especially being on, I, I don't know if it's TikTok that's doing this to me, but it's like I'm about to riot. I'm about, to, <laughs> I'm about to be in the streets, motherfucker. Wow, what are you but, seeing? Uh, what are you seeing on TikTok? Just a lot of people that are like. Um, ready to have a big pro, uh, protest against Coles and Woolies. And they're like oh. m- recently announced $1.2, $1.4 billion profits. Yep. Yep. For real. They're like, wait a minute. You guys are just arbitrarily raising the price. And there's so many people out there. I don't know if you remember this ad. It was like, it's from a while ago. It's like Curtis Stone or some shit. And he's like, here's how you can make a dinner for your family for just $10 at Coles. Oh, and he yeah. Goes and he, he, yeah, you remember that? He goes and buys a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And he's like, here, you feel the, feed the whole family for $10. And then you go, then it cuts to on TikTok, someone going to Coles, looking at the cheese, shredded cheese, and it's $12 to buy a single bag of shredded cheese. <laughs> and then it's them eating the cheese in their apartment, cold and sad. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, or gone. you know it's like they they buy some you know bread rolls and uh like a, a can of sprite and that's all that's all that ten dollars gets them. <laughs> yeah that's um, fucked yeah so fucked. i think there's like a bunch of hopefully class consciousness happening with the with people these days when it comes to this stuff yeah i mean i feel like a lot of people don't have a lot of choice in where they buy their groceries yeah like um you know we stayed in brunswick a few months back we're in thornbury now like we've been able to get everything from preston market and it's like better quality and a third of the price but yeah dude you know motherfuckers that, that, that place is going away isn't it or they're like trying Ooh. to get it to go away they're turning it's... it into car parks for a uh, um a apartment building bro it's this whole fucking thing where we're fighting so hard to try yeah. and get Preston Market to stay because it's such an important community for the area. Yeah. And, and so the owners are just a bunch of losers and they're basically have not done a great job of maintaining the facilities. And they're like, yeah, we're going to sell this shit and they'll build apartments. We don't give a fuck. And, yeah. and so basically there, there've been a lot of, um, you know, there's been a lot of noise and there've been some protests, which are really cool. But I think, probably what needs to happen is that the state government needs to buy the land and then protect it and my faith in the government doing that is uh, at an all-time low to nil yeah yeah and um yeah the the leases run out soon like in a couple Mm. of months and the owners are not renewing them so it's just it's just like fuck it's it's very dire right now yeah, I mean, so there's like a Coles near me and then there's a Woolies in the other end. And then if you travel further into town, there's like an IGA or a Aldi. So there are, like, you have to travel to get to them a little bit, but it's right. not a huge deal. And yeah. I'm thinking it's finally time to just, like, stop. <laughs> it's time yeah. to stop yeah. going to these motherfucking places because it's just stupid now. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. But yeah, then and then you know, I think the problem will then be, oh, they will just their land will get bought, or they'll they'll have to sell up 
is they can't afford to <laughs> compete anymore. Yeah. You know, the duopoly issue. Yeah, 100%. It's sad. Um, Everything is sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everything and, is sad. And I've got more sadness. Volition Studio uh, yeah. has shut down. Uh, I saw this, yeah. Yeah, so responsible for the Saints Row series. Uh, Embracer Group has decreed that Volition can go and get fucked effective immediately. So mm. we've we've talked about Embracer Group a couple of times on the pod. So they're this huge conglomerate that owns a lot of video game studios. Mm. Uh, as of this month, they own 129 game development studios. Wow, that's so many. Which is bonkers. And so they just get to shut things down if they feel they're not economically viable and it's it's like this thing with volition long-standing studio with a long-standing series apparently that last game sucked uh but yeah embracer group just shut them down immediately you know not oh what projects are you currently working on let's you know slice through the the crap and figure out what's going to work it's just like nah it's not economically viable to continue even trying to revive volition or get saints row back on track it's just throw the guillotine down sonny yeah yeah dude i'm looking at their uh, subsidiaries on the wikipedia page right now oh no don't don't they've it, got they've got like the, a lot yeah they've got like crystal dynamics they've got yeah. fucking gearbox yeah they got gearbox they got gunfire it's hot oh, damn it's deep silver <laughs> Are deep silver even making games anymore no nah, they're publishing i think oh okay i i see that they've got some indie games where their thing has come up but for, they'll just yeah. forever be the dead island publishers in my eyes yes, totally <laughs> there's a bunch of unknowns here as well but they're probably you know just not in the english language or not uh not well known but do well enough you know yeah yeah or, you know, they're about to be shut down effective immediately. <laughs> Who's to yeah. say? Terrifying. Oh, well, good on you, Embracer Group. Keep fucking up the world. <laughs> uh, this is really the sick, sad, ver uh, sick, sad world version of the news. Yeah, we love it. Um, all right. So pitch, this... Pitch, pitchforks. I'm, I will be a pitchfork dealer in the future. <laughs> pitchfork dealer. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so this last nug is a chunky nug. We got chunky nugs on this podcast. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. we got SAG-AFTRA. And mm. they're the guild responsible for the ongoing writer's strike uh, in, in Hollywood or in American cinema. So mm -hmm. they've been on strike for a while now and there's no, since, oh, I want to say April, late April, and uh, they're still on strike and it doesn't seem as if there's any light at the end of the tunnel uh, mm. for that strike. And, you know, that's to just get writers fairly paid. Movies are a pretty lucrative business and when a movie makes a billion dollar dollars, the writer gets, you know, a fuck all one-off fee and yeah. uh many other employees under that uh studio make millions of dollars and it's clearly unfair and they just want to make it fair which is very reasonable totally and still striking still striking four months in yeah and so sag after that um that 
group that is kind of a corporation, like it's kind of a unionized thing. They're yeah. pre- preparing for a potential video game industry strike. Mm. So their board has voted to send out strike authorizations to the video game industry. So what this means is that um, they've done something to begin negotiations. So if the strike comes to fruition, they'll be looking for better wages, protections against AI and better working conditions. Um, but I also was able to find some of the potential developers that would go on strike and there are some big names. So we got Insomniac Games, Warner Bros, Disney, Activision, EA, Epic Games, Take Two. So like this is, this is pretty huge. These are the big boys. Yeah. EA Activision is kind of the biggest boy. So yeah. Right. And so, yeah, we, we could be looking at something similar and I think, Hopefully, I, I mean, the whole point of this is that they get better wages and they get better working conditions without having to strike, right? So yeah. hopefully on September 26th, then, you know, however long it takes, like they're just able to negotiate what they want and they get it. And it's only if they don't get what they want, which again is just a very reasonable thing that they're asking for, that's when they go on strike. And so yeah, cool. hopefully it doesn't get to that stage, but yeah, in interesting that, um, well, it's not interesting. It's honestly fucking awesome that we've, mm. we've got this community of people that are willing to kind of sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the industry. Like that's, totally. that's some heavy shit to, you know, you got a family to feed. And you, your skill set pertains to this specific industry and you're going on strike and you're ready to go on strike. Like that's, that's a huge call to make. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I stand with my sag after um, brothers and sisters and they thems through this whole thing as well. Like do whatever you can <laughs> to help, you know, look up what you can do to like not consume or not talk about specific types of media that are um, struck by sag during the strike mm. every little bit helps mm. um and yeah if there's strikes that happen in melbourne and we do marches or whatever for the video game industry here you better believe i'll be in the streets motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah hell yeah and so, uh yeah on that note yeah. i'm all out of chicken that's all the news you i i brought one piece of chicken and that was the last one you already mentioned Oh. Uh, yes. It is interesting, though, um, just to sort of bounce off that bit of news. The I didn't think it would be like in my lifetime that it would that we'd have to be negotiating uh, AI taking jobs. Right. Yeah. Like, that's such a bizarre thing that has that I did not have on my bingo card at all. <laughs> right. Um, it's crazy what the actors are, are having to put forward as well. It's like. You know, the whole thing with AI is like, you know, in in under the terms that the studios are looking for agreements upon, it's like, yeah, we'll be able to like photograph you and use your likeness for, you know, in perpetuity and you won't receive any residuals. Oh my God. <laughs> you get you get like a once-off fee where you like capture your essence basically and use that in whatever we like. It's like, yeah. okay, cool, man. <laughs> you that's sure about ins- that? That's insane. It's yeah. just insane. 
Yeah. I also think it's like, it's also a little bit um, cut before the horse or whatever with all of this tech stuff as no, as usual, you know, it feels very metaverse It's like, do we actually do a lot of the places um, that are kind of spruiking this have the power to produce that level of visual effect mm. as cheaply as they think they can? Because mm. um, there is heaps of, it's not just actors, there's like visual effects artists and um, you know, entire warehouses of people in Dubai that have to put this shit together. Like mm. that's a terrible way to put it, but you know, there, there are VFX houses all around the world that are, that are needed to hit a uh, non uh, uncanny Valley levels of, um, you know, motion capture and facial capture and acting and lighting and rendering and all that sort of stuff. Like it's not yeah. trivial, uh, not even a little bit. And there's heaps of humans still involved in the process. Even if you take the actor out of it, it's like, you, you don't just press a button. And and so I think that's kind of like a bit of a weird, you know, cart before the horse thing. It's like, oh yeah, we're trying to get this AI thing as a part of, you know, as, as a part of this deal, but it's like, we're so, it feels really far ahead, you know? I don't, yeah. I, I don't know why it's, it's a huge part of the discussion, but it seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree because you look at studios that, have gone fully digital for some actors and they've got huge budgets behind them, you know, like, mm. um, Carrie Fisher in the last Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's fake as fuck. It, yeah. It's immediately recognizable as digital. And, and that's, you know, that was painstakingly created. I, I don't think there was any AI involved. I don't know, but it it seems crazy to me that it's already like you say it's kind of leapfrogged the quality discussion straight to let's just do it with what we have yeah yeah it's like it's very weird there's and and like i have seen um ai generated avatars that are photo real and are able to be spun up extremely quickly but it's always there's always a caveat you know it's like Oh yeah, it looks amazing, but it's only uh, from the front. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you can only see this person from the front. You can't change the camera angle, and you have to be from the waist up. It's like oh, right. that's not you know like that's not actually useful to anyone. <laughs> like it's only <laughs> these few circumstances, you know, like uh, training videos for the military or like right. you know help channels for um, replacing like phone workers and stuff like that. So you can have a video call with a virtual assistant or something mm-hmm. like it's, it's that kind of stuff that, that that's replacing. It's not actors. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's just, it all reeks of, yeah. Carpetball horseism and also reeks of something related to this week's topic, which is sucking the creativity out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what, what is the topic? The topic is creativity, but oh, that's, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> related to the topic of creativity, it feels like it's sucking creativity out of every aspect of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which All right. What a segue. Shameful. Yeah. Do you like that one? Oh, I love it. Not I a bad it. segue. I've done some bad segues in my time. Yeah. To be honest, I live for the really bad ones and yeah, <sighs> that's <laughs> sorry. You've disappointed me. You should, it could have been much worse, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will it might be time to just cue some music I just gotta get some water real quick oh yeah yeah bring it in hell yeah alright creativity that is some that is some bold 30 minute topic (laughs) yeah here we are once again (laughs) biting off far more than we could ever hope to chew (laughs) um 
so I have some stuff to read. Uh, I have some stuff to talk about. Um, but maybe before we do, what is your kind of notion of creativity? Because I feel like there's like things that we could potentially bounce off with some of the stuff that I'm about to say before we get into it. My notion of creativity, bruh. You gotta <laughs> just dump that one on you on a Tuesday <laughs> night. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm barely able to read the news. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you got, you, you're gonna have to poke me a bit more. You're gonna have to give me a bit yeah. more. Like that's too, that's too broad for me. You, like, what, what does creativity mean for me, or like, yeah. where does creativity come from, or? Yeah, those are good questions to start with. Okay. What? Where does creativity come from? That's a good question. Um. All right. I mean, I don't know if this is like uh, a personal experience, but when I read about creative people whose output I love, one of the things that ties them together that they really seem to love is boredom. So like they, they get to a stage where they're bored and so they do something with their skill set. Like one that I remember just off the top of my head is St. Vincent, Mm -hmm. who's, who's the, the amazing musician, St. Vincent. And she said she was bored one time. And so she just, uh, transcribed bark from piano to guitar because she was bored and like that helped her come up with all these weird kind of chord changes and stuff. I I don't think it was chord changes. Maybe it was arrangement, but it was something. It was like, because she was bored, she used her skill set and then it, it, it sparked this thing that allowed her to do something original. Um, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. There's two parts of that, which we will get into, but yeah, that's cool. An interesting answer as to where it comes from. Does you thinking it comes partially from boredom? Yeah, I mean, I've just read it a, a little bit. Like, I've I've seen boredom come up. Yep. Um, but for me personally, I have no fucking clue. I feel like <laughs> it's it's almost this kind of elusive mosquito that I'm trying to uh-huh. swat. You yeah. know, sometimes I sit down to write and, like, take the video game reviews. I'll write, like, a really solid review in, like, 45 minutes, and I'll just smash it out, and I'll be like, oh, baby, I was yeah. I was all there. And then the very next day I'll try to do some writing, and it's just, like, slovenly. Nothing is coming. I'm lucky to type a sentence in an hour. And yeah. it's very difficult for me to be able to measure why that is. It just seems yes. completely random. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of people that is relatable content, you know, like the not, you know, one day you'll be like, oh, I could could paint and, you know, or I can draw and Mm -hmm. just is like, I do this for hours and you do do it for hours or you do it for a long time. You're like, man, now I feel good about myself. And then Mm -hmm. the next day you'll be like, man, I don't even know what a pencil is. Like, I can't can't believe that that happened yesterday. Where is that gone? Yeah. yeah. David Lynch said, creativity is like a fish. You can catch the fish. You don't make the fish. Oh. See, which that's, is a bit related. That's very good. And I know David Lynch has that uh, book. I think it's mm. called Catching the Fish or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really keen to read it. 
but yeah, I've I've seen a couple of of Lynch's talks on his process, and I mean he's uh, almost spiritual in his approach to creativity. <laughs> creativity, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. look, he's a very eccentric dude, uh, but we love David Lynch. And, and it's so interesting that you mentioned creativity. Sorry, go on. Uh, no, you go on. Interrupt me, please. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because there's a book that I'm listening to right now or that you can read called The Artist's Way, which talks a lot about creativity. Uh, mm. And sorry, about um, relig- the religious slash spiritual aspect to creativity. And it's interesting that you mentioned that Lynch feels or has that notion or it's he feels almost he treats it spiritual yeah i mean i i I don't know that he does but just my impression of him is is that he does and i think uh i think a lot of people confuse spirituality with passion sometimes oh like you get those out of context interviews with actors where they're like completely in fucking character and you're looking at this interview and making movies isn't part of your world and you're like whoa what the fuck is wrong with this person (laughs) and and in reality they're just super tuned into the character they're in between takes on set and it just makes perfect sense for them to be in that mood but because you've seen this 10 second clip you're like whoa they're like weird and spiritual and like into parascience or whatever like you can tell and it's like well no, they were they were on set. They were you know experimenting with dialogue and bouncing back yeah. and forth between the other actors. And I I think uh, I think actors. I mean, acting in itself is kind of a weird thing to Super do. Weird. But yeah. I think in general, actors are a lot less weird than everybody thinks. <laughs> yeah, totally. There is like processes and stuff, like well known processes for doing that sort of stuff. Um, right. It's not like some un- unknowable black box, though. It is quite complicated and deep. Um, mm. thing to learn mm. about which i have learned about in the past um so i guess i'll just start talking and we can go in and out of bits and pieces hell yeah uh here we go i really hate this notion that there's creative people and non-creative people i hate the notion that creativity is just recontextualizing a concept that can be a facet of creating something but i don't think it's it takes creativity to do that uh it's not some locked box it's not content quote unquote it's not being a director it's not a poor man's game it's not physically harmful it doesn't need to be emotionally harmful but it can be birthed from that place it does not need to be monetized it does not take a computer it doesn't take knowledge you can just grab a pencil and paper and do it creativity is shower thoughts it's distance from a problem. It's permission to just witness and not produce. It's a dream you had that was a full featured story. It was that note you thought to write whilst driving, but forgot at your destination. It's a notepad filled with nonsense. It's a poem. It's that feeling you get after reading a good poem. <laughs> it's a drawing <laughs> by your friend. It's a book that makes you realize where all those other books and shows and games came from. Uh, I guess that's the first little first little ditty that I wrote there. Bro, what have you done to us? We got like 15 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> There's more. <laughs> I guess I'll just keep going. Uh, 
A person in a leadership role that works on seemingly creative media may not even have the slightest idea of what it takes to be creative. They just make decisions based on what they know the director or audience will like, which is like putting the square peg in the square hole. Wow, very good. Uh, and then there are people like my boss, Johnny, who seem to bleed creativity. It's not so much their job. It's just what they do by default. They create. I'm, uh, yeah, no. I'm staying, sorry to interrupt. I'm staying yeah. in a house right now that has been designed by creatives. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it, they're so creative that there's hardly any lounging space. Yeah. all <laughs> the designated creating space. Exactly. There's, yeah. there's very little sitting or laziness happening in this house. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, those 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 pals uh, are full of full of good juice. Yeah, agreed. Full of creative juice. Um, I'll continue. Creative creativity is like a fish. You catch the fish, you don't make the fish. We read that quote before from David Lynch. I got a couple more Lynch quotes here. Oh hell yeah! He says, <clears throat> "There is a man in another room with the whole film in puzzle parts, and he's flipping parts to me." David Lynch. Wow. See, isn't that so that's, cool? That is that is weird shit. And yeah. I, I feel like David Lynch, I mean, it's so obvious when you watch his movies, though, because mm. his movies are so much more about making you feel something than following yeah. a plot. Yeah. And it's just, it it's so awesome that he is as celebrated as he is because... I feel like it's the kind of stuff that could just like fall to the wayside and, and people would discount, but he's a massive director. Everyone yeah. loves him. You know, yeah. Stanley Kubrick watched, um, oh fuck. It wasn't Inland Empire. What was it? What are some of David Lynch's films? Oh God, I forgot <laughs> them. Um, he did Blue Velvet. He did Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. And he did the one in the eighties that I Twin can't Peaks? remember. No, I mean he did Lost do Twin Peaks. No, not Lost Highway. Um, I mean I can open the wiki page if no, you really want me to. No, no, it's gone. Look, it's gone. But anyway, um, one of Lynch's most famous movies, Stanley Kubrick watched it, and uh, he said it was his favorite movie of all time. And yeah. and so if you're making movies, and Stanley Kubrick says that you have made his favorite movie that's just yeah. insane <laughs> that's massive yeah. and you know all the all the bullshit aside kubrick was a psychopath but uh mm. he knew cinema and he knew mm. how to make good films and he he knows what good films look like and it doesn't mean you have to like drop everything and believe everything he believes but holy shit when when someone like that who had just this iconic lasting effect on the industry that spans over like nearly 70 years at this stage and and you're like that person finds my movie the best that's just like fuck yeah david lynch (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty nuts um but yeah that this this notion of like having another room and a man in the other room and he's got the whole movie there and he's just slinging your little bits and pieces at random um is really interesting because like i've i've definitely had not that exact exact same experience but i've had moments where like 
you know, visually I will see something in my mind and it's like, oh yeah, that that's, I could do that. And then that, use that in a shot or use that in an animation or something like that. Right. And it's yeah. like, or even just like, here's the need for this shot. And then I'll sit there for a little while and dream through all of the possible outcomes for how it could potentially look and land on one. It's like, where did those come from, dude? Like what, when, I mean, when it's working really well, it's like, it's just frictionless, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's almost going somewhere else though, right? Like I mm. feel like that isn't mutually exclusive to creativity. I, I feel like that is kind of more like how each person's brain works, right? I feel like uh, you and Phoebe Redacted have <laughs> just a real knack for visual stuff mm. and I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I look at you guys do it and I'm like, oh my God, like they're drawing the thing over there and it looks like the thing over there and it's like <laughs> really impressive so i think it's that like combination of of you know getting in a flow state or or you know getting in a flow state in relation to creativity and also just how your brain works yeah yeah potentially um yeah i mean i, I love your drawings as well um i think yeah, like I said, in, uh, creativity is your friend's drawings. Like, I love looking at your drawings <laughs> because they're just so uh, otherworldly. Oh, <laughs> they're, like, they're like, yeah, they're, they're, I don't know how you come up with some of the stuff that, that you do. It's like the fingers floating has stuck in my mind ever since I saw it. Uh, well uh look i mean topic over i don't know how i do either so i guess i don't know where creativity comes from (laughs) yeah um i'll continue uh a book i'm reading slash listening to right now is called the artist's way by julia cameron Uh, she wades into the waters of pointing to what creativity is and describes it as a god in a non-religious sense uh she urges the author um the artist to relinquish relinquish all anxiety and choice making to this god and that god works through them and if we could only nurture our creative child within that we could step aside and allow creativity to flow through us uh one of the tasks the writer gives the reader is the morning pages um which is what i've been trying it's like every morning they're supposed to be right after you wake up but i do them on my morning commute you write three pages of stream of consciousness into a book. Right. Um, and it's just three pages. Some days it's easy. Some days it's hard. Um, yeah. The idea is just to keep doing it. I don't do it on the weekends. Weekends are for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to look after yourself. Yeah. True. Um, but I thought that was an interesting thing. Um, the way, you know, you can think of this force, this like pool or this fish or this man in the other room as you know, spirituality or a God, um, that's sort of is just letting, is just waiting for you, the like neurotic human to step out of the way so that they can move through you, uh, which is really quite interesting to me. Yeah. It's, it's probably just because I'm a cynic, but I feel like somehow that kind of discounts the hard work people do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, she, like, she mentions that in the book as well and is like, you know, not looking to discount the, you know, the actual person at all because without the right. person, how would that stuff even exist in the first place? And it has yeah. to be that person that did it. It can't be any yeah. other person. Yeah, right. So, yeah. 
Um, but I, I agree. That was my initial first blush reaction. I think it's partially just because of my relationship to religion in the past as well. You know, growing up in a Catholic high school and preschool, primary school and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we're all uh, damaged. So, yeah, if you can sort of cast some of that aside, I think there is juice to be had there. Yeah. Um, though, obviously, taken with a grain of salt. Salty juice, if you will. Didn't get a response from that? Okay. No, <laughs> no I, I was drinking and I was working very hard not to burst water all over my laptop. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> salty juice, if you will, and just heard radio silence. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, we've got another little bit of info here. Uh, Tim Harford's TED Talk. He talks about slow motion multitasking. And this is a little bit related to what you were saying before about St. Vincent and mm -hmm. how when they create, they like to move away from the task that they're stuck on or the task that they're working on mm -hmm. and do some rote or boring or otherwise unrelated activity, still using their skill set mm -hmm. uh, and use that as a way to sort of let the problem percolate in their mind or set it aside and get distance from it. Right. I think that concept is really interesting. The concept of distance um, to, to a creative issue or a creative problem or something that you're trying to do, being mm -hmm. away from it is somehow the door or the key that unlocks the door to, uh, to um, succeeding. Right. And coincidentally, also MF Doom's advice, who oh, is, yeah. as we all know, the greatest lap ra lapper, oh. the greatest rapper that has ever lived. Much yeah, more eloquent than I am, that's for sure. Yeah, same. Um, um, and yeah, so he was being asked, what do you do when you're not writing bars, when you can't write bars? And he said, when, when I'm having trouble writing, I just go and look after the kids and cook yeah. dinner for my wife and live my life. And then I come back and then the bars are ready. And it's just, yeah, yeah like you say, it's distance. Yeah. Yeah, there's this famous quote. I can't remember the name of the animator that says it, but they say something to the effect of, um, you can't create the illusion of life if you don't have one. <laughs> Which I is love... so blunt. Yeah, it's I... just exactly as you'd expect an animator in, you know, the 70s or whatever to say, something like that. Yeah, fucking savage, but also I dig it. Yeah, I, I really like it. Um because like, yeah, you hit any creative field like animation or writing or anything like that. And you, you are going to inevitably one day bump into people who are just seemingly like output machines. Like all they do is their, their entire life is dedicated to this one thing. Mm -hmm. They don't have families. They don't have friends. All they do is this one thing. And you're like, you are the best, but also where are you? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> where is the person underneath? Um, yeah. Underneath the machine that has just become the best. Was it worth it? I don't know. Um, so yeah, the, the idea that uh, many famous creatives uh, throughout history switch topics very frequently as a means to keep their ideas in perspective. The notion uh, that the wrong answer is often the one you're stuck on and simply moving away to something else, given the right, uh, give the right answer a chance to bubble it to the surface. Uh, somehow the idea is right there, but locked away, locked behind a door that can only be opened by walking away from the door which I like the visual metaphor of walking away from a door to open it. Mm. Um, oh yeah, that is good. Yeah. Um, we're almost at the end here. Uh, in the YouTube comments for that video, someone said some <sighs> comments these days really boil my biscuit. But anyway, I'm going to read this one. <laughs> Bro, I can't believe we're reading out a YouTube comment right now. 
I'm yeah. I'm so intrigued. I have no idea if this is going to be complete and utter trash or surprisingly insightful. Uh, it's probably trite, but here we go. Creativity <laughs> should be taught in schools, said this YouTuber comment. Oh. And I think I that's mean, a very interesting thing to say. I don't, is it, isn't I, it? I don't know. Do you think people teach creativity? Do you think it can be taught? Well, yeah, I think it, it's <laughs> something that happens to you when you're at school. Yeah. Right? Like, because you're, you're, I feel like one important aspect of creativity that I relate to is mm -hmm. parameters. And sure. in school, you have all these parameters, like you do maths for an hour and science for an hour and all this crap. And like you try and socialize in between or whatever, but you have so many parameters that you've got to try and make it work with what you're given. And isn't that a form of creativity? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, there's like working within bounds, you know, like a lot, a lot of the time, the most interesting stuff comes from like, yeah, you know, like um, uh, protest posters from like the Berlin Wall or whatever, you know, mm. when like, like that art is just genuinely more interesting because they had two tones of paint that they're allowed to use that they could sneak into the factory mm. to screen print on these like century old screen print machines. And it's like, wow, the stuff that they made with what little they had, or you look at, we've talked about this before on the pod, but like the nature of NES and SNES games, you know, like mm. they had so few bits to work with that they were literally cramming in, you know, sideways sprite sheets, like on top of one another with like color swaps uh, done on, done on processes to be able to have enough space to make the thing, to say what they wanted to say. Mm. Uh, it's very uh, compelling. Um, and that, yeah, working within parameters is definitely uh, an aspect of creativity, I would say. Um, but yeah, my response to that com comment is something along the lines of that. I don't know if you can be caught, uh, taught creativity. I think you should be allowed to be creative. Um, like if, if that's what the school does, is it just allows that space to be there for you to be like, you know, space to play, space to not learn for a minute, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I saw both sides of the coin with my high school experience where I was at a, a regimented Catholic school for three and a half years. And then yep. I did the final two and a half years at Steiner. Yeah, and, you went to a Steiner school. That's right. And it was, uh, it was wild. That contrast yeah. was bananas because all of a sudden you went from wearing a uniform, attending mass calling everyone by their surname yeah. to way less structure, no uniform. And you just call everyone by their first name, including teachers. Yeah. And I think there's, yeah, I mean, teaching creativity is fucking weird because I feel like no matter how you tried to teach it, it would be pretentious. If you yeah. had a class and it was called teaching creativity and you started yeah. drawing or making music or <laughs> do it like it would weirdly discount all the other things that you're not doing. It, it kind of feels a lot more broad than something you're able to pinpoint. Yeah, totally. And that's why I always feel weird about like grading art class stuff. You know, it's like the fuck, like why? I mean, you can always like objectively grade if they did X, Y, Z things. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in your time at Steiner school. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. Um, 
but yeah what like what was that structure like did you show up at a certain time was there was there that level of structure uh yeah absolutely like there were classes and there was you know homeroom and all that kind of thing but it was far more elastic so when i first started steiner one of the first classes i did was winemaking and, <laughs> That's so cool. and we did winemaking for three weeks and you know oh. and, and it wasn't like you did maths in between like you did a subject for three weeks and then moved on to another subject we did the stock market after that Whoa. Um, and, and it, it felt, it certainly felt like you had the ability to be creative, whereas yeah. the Catholic school was like one hour of science, one hour of maths, one hour yeah. of English, whereas yeah. this really like, they really played with the structure and they also didn't spoon feed you at all. They yeah. said, this is what the three weeks are going to look like. This is what is due at the end. Be free. You know, there, there figure was, it out. Yeah, here's here's all the research material. It, it was not at all like the previous school I went to, where they said, "Here are the textbooks." Here, you know, well, today we're reading ten pages starting here. It's like there was none yeah. of that. It was just here's yeah. all the material. Here's the goal. You've got three weeks. And then, what were the teachers up to during the three weeks? Were they just sort of facilitating? Oh yeah, no, they they were present for sure. It wasn't like they just pissed off, which um, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, they, they were present and obviously there to answer a bunch of questions. And, and to be fair, I think maybe the first couple of, um, classes in the three week format were a little bit more regimented and were yeah. a bit more guided, but you know, it was like, whatever it is, three days out of the 15 that you'd be attending that class. And yep. obviously there was a, a bit more supervisation when we were boiling down alcohol and learning about right, winemaking right. and all that kind of shit. Like they didn't just let us loose in the science room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I love all that stuff. I kind of wish I had gone to, to a Steiner school. It sounds so, I mean, it, it, as a, as a youth, I would have been like, well, yeah, you get to just bludge the whole time. Hell yeah. But when I look at that now, I'm like, wow. Like teaching a child or teaching a, a, a young person to make a wine is just like kind of beautiful. Like yeah. not, not so that they can drink it, but so that they can learn a process and like create a product and like play with values and all sorts of stuff. It's just like, it's just rich with juice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I've used that word a lot this pod, but it's just rich <laughs> with, with, with really like, um, like interesting bits and pieces for the the kid to chew on. Right. I mean, this was literally juice, though. We were totally feet Making stomping juice. on some yeah. grapes, and we we did it in year ten so that we could drink yeah. the wine when we graduated. Right. But all our teachers fucking drank our wine before we graduated. <laughs> That's so sucks. you know, read into yeah. that what you will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm reading. Um. Yeah. Cool. Uh, man more info on Steiner school in the future would be cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, from, from here, I've just got a, a tiny little tidbit of something that I found really interesting, but, and related to creativity, but not necessarily about broader questions about you know, where does creativity come from and what is creativity and all that sort of stuff. Um, hell yeah. Put a bow on it, son. Hell yeah. So this is about a website called the library of Babel. Uh, have you heard of this website? I have not, no. Um, so this is a website containing every combination of letters possible. It's built by a man named Jonathan Basile. Okay. Uh, it contains everything that has been 
and it contains everything that could be written. Uh, it uses a method of creating combinations of letters, commas, periods, and is generated algorithmic, algorithmically from a base 10 seed. It, is the, it then spits out, not at random, the same result every time on a 3,200 character text. So each book in the library is made up of 3,200 characters. Um, yeah, it's generated from this sort of base 10 seed, uh, and then it spits out, yeah, this, this big text. And what's cool is you can take the text uh, and feed it into the algorithm in reverse and get the same base 10 number. So yeah, it's all it's all regimented and tested. Wow. Um, there is 10 to the 5,000 different pages available in the library. In comparison, yeah. <laughs> in comparison, there is only 10 to the 80 atoms in the observable universe. Uh, in this I mean, way, <laughs> go on. Yeah, I was I was just trying to imagine the scale of every single combination of letters being created. That's that's bananas. That's more that's more combinations you'll find in Returnal. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> um. So yeah, that, what's really strange about it is that uh, it's it's not like. Like I can type what I've just said into the search bar in the library of Babel and it will come up. Oh, what that's, I've just said. that's so fucking cool. This whole podcast is on the library of Babel. Yeah. I mean, in sections, in short sections, <laughs> you can kind of find it's, it's interesting. So like you can type in, um, you know, like a sentence or two and it will be like, Hey, we found this with a few different errors and we found this with a lot of errors. And we also found it word for word, letter for letter. And wow. it will show you the book locations. Um, and you can return to those book locations and read the books. The books are complete nonsense. It's just like strings of letters and, you know, periods and commas and spaces until you get to the section where you read the thing or said the thing or wrote the thing that you did. That's so cool. Everything um, I will ever say is written in that book. The, well, I, yeah, the, the description of your birth, the description of your death, what you had for breakfast every day for the rest of your life is written in the library of Babel. Uh, kind of terrifying. Just got to know where to look. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's yeah. And I wrote in this way, creativity is sort of like unknowingly exploring what can be said. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all I got on creativity. That's great. That's a really great note to end on. Can you say that last sentence again? In this way, creativity is sort of like unknowingly exploring what can be said. Boom. We hope you all have a really lovely weekend. <laughs> and we'll catch you when it's almost the weekend again. Bye. <laughs>